welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. In today's self-care podcast, we'll be talking about finding small daily habits to allow you to recover and thrive from the pace of today's world. Whether you're well into maintaining your health or just starting out, the strategies suggested here by our latest guests are not ones that require overhauling your life. And for those of you who maybe haven't heard any of our podcasts before or haven't caught the last self-care roundup, what we do on at the end of all of our podcasts is we ask our guests what their number one self-care tool is or if they have you know one piece of advice that they would impart on anybody to improve their health. So now what we're doing today is we're going to kind of recap the self-care tools from our most recent guests. And today we kind of found that the theme was just finding little pockets of time throughout your day to really make sure that you're keeping your health where it needs to be. One of the greatest misconceptions our clients have is that they will have to, as previously mentioned, overhaul their life, whether they're healthy and just trying to work their way around an injury or um, they're just trying to figure out how to get started and they look at really big overhauling type of plans, we find that the overwhelm of information out there would suggest that we do have to do really huge steps. So all of the strategies shared today are small ones that are strategically put throughout your day. If you start small and you start with one key thing that resonates with you, it can be a catalyst for all the other habits along the way or it might be the only thing you add in and that's okay exactly and so we always find that the easiest way to kind of get started with this is to start at the beginning of your day so this was kind of something mentioned to us by several of our guests whether I think Franz and Emmy and Alyssa they all kind of chimed in with this but it was start your day with time for you so that can be ground-based movement, which is one of my big things. And I know you as well, you get up and do Qigong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ground-based movement or getting up and just moving, um, drinking some water or, you know, a calming or even a pump-up song um, to start your day. And then there was another really big one as well. The other big one is in doing all of this, time away from technology. So many of our clients will turn on their phones, look at their messages or emails and so on when they're still in bed. And unfortunately, the cascade this causes is immediately our attention is diverted to everybody and everything else. So spending a bit of time to be selfish and to just be in your own body doing your own thing, even for five to 10 minutes can completely change the feel of the day. The ground-based movement that Franz suggested and that Dane partakes in doesn't have to be long. It's like five minutes just doing some hip work. I tend to do a lot of soft tissue on my feet and some footwork. Whatever it is that you're comfortable with or can add in, take the time, take five minutes and then water is a huge one still is surprising how many people will just jump straight to coffee or to nothing at all. But if you just start with a glass of water while the kettle's going for coffee or your automated machine, if that's what you do, that can already change how the rest of your day goes in terms of what you decide to put into your body. And as we kind of both sit here, it's Sunday morning, we're both enjoying a coffee, (laughs) nice and relaxed. 
just to kind of walk you guys through exactly what I do every morning. And again, just to show you how it's not, you know, <laughs> you know, a huge time commitment. My alarm goes off. I shut off the alarm. And of course, my phone is on airplane mode. This is something we recommend to everyone. You shouldn't have your phone pinging with text messages and phones like <clears throat> I used to. And uh, it wasn't a good situation for my sleep. So anyway, I, I get up, I shut off my alarm. And then I just, I roll over in my bed. And I have a few little movements I do while laying on my back and a few while I lay on my stomach just to kind of squeeze my glutes and like depress my scapula just to kind of get my body moving a little bit while still laying in bed. Then I sit off my bed. I ground my feet and I just ground myself for the day and give appreciation for my body. Then I get up, walk downstairs, have a glass of water, and then I turn on my phone. And it's maybe been three minutes. But giving myself those three minutes makes a massive, massive change into where my mindset is when I wake up. If I wake up and I immediately go and turn on my phone, I'm going to see text messages fly in and emails come in and immediately my attention is to someone else. And I have the rest of the day to focus on that. And the one little tip is if you have a hard time not turning on your phone and then getting caught up in messages in bed because you're using your phone as an alarm, pro tip, put your phone in the kitchen or somewhere where you have no access to it immediately from your bed and buy like a $10 alarm clock, battery powered in case you're worried about the power going out at night. It really is something that can completely change your day when you have a little bit of attention to yourself. And from there, we actually also encourage that even when you do go to technology, this was something that we coach a lot of our clients on uh, depending on the person, and that Sam Gibbs brought up in his podcast is don't read the news or listen to it, especially not in the morning or at night. There are days where you might want to check it midday instead, but if you can avoid starting your day with it or ending your day with it, you can completely change your nervous system's reactions because much of the news, as we all know, is not exactly positive. There's a lot of uh, there are a lot of distressing uh, things happening in the world at this point in time, and we are human. So, regardless of how disconnected you are from that country or those events, there is still a connection there, and there's still a sympathetic stress response to what we see going on. So, if you can avoid it in the earlier and later parts of your day, that can also positively impact how you go through your day yeah exactly if you're if you're avoiding in the morning it can impact you know how you start your day if you're avoiding news before you go to bed it can help dramatically with sleep quality fun fact about me a few months ago i was having this interesting issue in my intercostals my ribs it had been lingering for quite some time since i was competing really and I'd taken some time off, I changed all my patterns, and I couldn't quite figure out what, what was going on. I, I felt like I had an injury, and it was every morning as soon as I woke up, I just felt it in my, in my ribs, in my diaphragm, it just didn't feel good. So inevitably I went, I tried all these different practitioners, ended up going to see an acupuncturist, and you know he kind of assessed me, and he looked at my tongue, and he said, you you carry a lot of anger and you you over worry about so many things and i'm thinking i'm really laid back this guy doesn't know me like i i don't have these issues at all and then i realized how often i was checking the news 
and how much I was getting worked up and super anxious about several of the things happening out there in the world. And when I stopped checking the news every day, the pain went away after her, what was it, a week or two? A matter of days. It was in part an overthinking issue. And one thing that many people don't necessarily realize is your body will tense in accordance to information just as much as it can tense in accordance to you carrying a weight. So we don't necessarily feel those. A lot of people do, but at first, many people haven't tuned in and realized that they've got this tension building, whether it's in their abdomen, their diaphragm, their their neck, um, and hips when they receive information. Anybody can think of a stressful time in their life when someone came and told them some bad news. You had a physical response to that. It's very easy to rationalize that just reading the newspaper will not cause that, but it does. And in some people, it's more than others. I personally switched away from reading the news about five years ago because I just found it was something that would keep me up at night or in the morning would just set me off and I could no longer focus properly on my day that was full of very positive things. So I read research because I enjoy that and that's my form of news and Dane and I will sometimes read books at night. It's always a book. We've reintroduced what we both did as children. You don't have to subscribe to that if you don't enjoy books. That's totally fine. But just find something other than the news because we are bombarded with so much information that takes us away from where we are. And you can watch people go into their phones or go into their computers and essentially disappear from the room that they're in. So if you are noticing, you know, maybe you're having trouble sleeping or you're starting your day and you're just not feeling grounded or you're just generally not feeling great about something, check how often you are tuning into the news and how often you're thinking about all these affairs that are happening in the world that you don't necessarily have a lot of control over because that could be a major factor. And there's a good book called Deep Work by Cal Newport for anybody who's interested in that because when we keep checking all these various news sources it really takes away from the focus in our own personal work and he calls it shallow work it's a great read of shallow work versus deep work and seeing it in action in terms of how it's changing society you can start reading that in the morning instead <laughs> yeah agree with that <laughs> so the the next main thing that we find though is that once we do get started and all of that can take you five to ten minutes having some water doing some movement not paying attention to technology if you have an hour great but if you only have five to ten minutes that alone goes a long way start your day for you and beyond that we discussed with uh jenny jenny thompson from she's from here and she's in manitoba now running a chiropractic clinic she discusses that Taking resets during the day for your nervous system can be extremely beneficial. So for her, it might mean some really gentle low threshold movement, um, just some time, like five minutes between patients, for example. What we often will tell people is to go find a time to like sit or walk on their own, get away from technology. If you're an extrovert, that might mean you need to go and sit and connect with colleagues. If you're an introvert like myself, I need to go and walk. And having those midday walk breaks, 
being outside, being away from people just to kind of recalibrate go a very long way towards being able to go back to some whatever level of performance is needed for the rest of your afternoon. Yeah, we all vibrate on different frequencies. Some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. So if you're an introvert and you find that you are constantly being drained by whether it's clients or friends or just people in general, finding five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes in your day just to have some alone time, whether that's sitting in your desk chair or even going to the washroom to close your eyes and just sit there in peace, it's very important to take that time. Alternatively, if you are an extrovert, and maybe you're alone, you need to find someone to hang out with just for a little bit and that's going to help recharge you. So you have to know who you are and what your nervous system is like. And again, it's just finding these tiny pockets through the day. Even if you're an extrovert and you wanna call a friend, it can help. So just understand who you are. And again, it's finding a little bit of time throughout the day to make sure you find that little recharge, whether it's being with people or avoiding them completely. <laughs> that sounds so negative. <laughs> um, there was an interesting article recently. I think it was on Scientific American or The Guardian. And they were discussing the need for nap places because we are a knowledge-based society now. We are not all out working in the fields or building houses or things like that. We're a knowledge-based society and they're discussing the need for napping. And in light of not always having napping rooms at our offices, we can still recharge by going outside and disconnecting from the screen. You'll see it's a running theme and it doesn't take that much time or effort to do so. But when you're looking at knowledge-based societies, you need that time to allow your brain to recalibrate. When we're always barraged with emails, texts, or just content, we need some space. So if it's not sleep, it still needs to be some space. And I'll just chime in on that too. Anybody who gets the chance to nap during the day, please nap during the day. Unless, unless of course, you're an insomniac or you have a lot of trouble getting to sleep at night then do not nap <laughs> because that could make the problem worse. But if you're somebody who, you know, does fall asleep readily at night, try having that nap midday instead of that extra coffee. Even 15, 20 minutes, close your eyes. Again, you can just do it laying in your chair. That is going to recharge you and have a massively positive effect. There's a lot of good research coming out right now on napping. So that is a great way to recharge midday. And that kind of leads us into the next one, and it's and it's about just being consistent with your practice and always eating some real food. Not every meal. You don't have to eat real food for every single thing you eat. It's not about being perfect. But our good friend Stu Phillips on the podcast mentioned you have to eat real food every day. Eating real food also requires slowing down a little bit, uh, which he pointed out and which is the one thing about the new Canada's Food Guide that we really like. They encourage people to actually cook their meals or take time to prep them because we've lost a lot of that in this society of convenience. But if you're eating real food, there tends to be some level of prep that you have to partake in. And that part is actually part of your digestive process. One thing that our guest Alyssa pointed out was to eat vegetables at every meal. She's a very healthy individual, but was finding herself grabbing, you know, paleo and keto snacks and energy bars. And as much as those labels might be very promising, it's still not real food. And if you just aim, her aim and her piece of advice was to aim to eat vegetables at every meal. If you even have just one green thing at every meal, you're already 
going to provide your system with more fiber, more nutrients, and as a consequence, eliminate some of the more processed stuff. All the energy bars, even if they are deemed to be quote unquote healthy or subscribe to a specific way of eating, still have a level of processing involved and they can definitely be helpful. There's a time and place for everything, but we prefer that people emphasize real food and truthfully, most of us don't need to snack. I'll meant that. Um, I'm actually <clears throat> almost finished reading the book, um, The Way We Eat Now. And it's been it's been great. It's been really eye-opening. And she really hammers home in that book a few things, one of them being, again, how we don't make time for meals anymore, how meal times are just kind of like we just eat throughout the day now. It's not morning, lunch, evening. We just kind of eat throughout the day. We snack on whatever's available. And how the snack food industry is just thriving no matter what because there are constantly new quote-unquote scare foods out there. Oh, now it's low sugar. So now a snacking company has an opportunity to market low sugar foods even though they might be high in agave or honey or have actually more carbohydrate, more sugar in them than a chocolate bar. And just because they're labeled as a healthy paleo or keto snack, they're actually could be quite a bit worse for your health. So as Alyssa mentioned, if you have the anchor of saying, hey, I need to have some form of vegetable with every meal. It just keeps you so much more grounded. You're getting nutrients every meal. You're getting fiber. And again, saying every meal, that's going to be a big, big jump for a lot of people. Um, Alyssa, like Frey already said, was already paying a lot of attention to what she was doing in eight vegetables quite often. Um, but just to make sure she had them in every meal really, really helped her. If you're not eating any vegetables, saying, hey, I'm going to have vegetables at one meal, that is an amazing place to start, and you'll immediately notice differences in your mood, your energy, your satiation between meals. And as Freya said, we don't need to snack between every meal. That's something that we have been sold by big corporations to say, hey, time is now our most valuable asset, so don't waste your time. Let's eat this, this, and this throughout the day, and then you'll be great. So we're saving time now, and we're losing our health. And that's something that we really have to start thinking about as we move forward. And on the note of keto snacks and paleo snacks, a lot of people actually use them as a pre-workout or as a post-workout because they think that these are actually better for you around exercise than, you know, real food. And Stu also pointed out that that's not the case. Whole foods are always more nutritious. And exercise is another piece that I think both Stu and some of our other guests touched on, didn't they? Fair? Yeah, the other piece, of course, uh, is exercise and, you know, nutrition is vastly important and movement is also that way, as is sleep. So we've discussed a few of the things there. Preach. But no matter what you do, the point is to be consistent with it. So when it comes to eating real food, you want to be as consistent as possible. We're not saying never eat out and meal prep absolutely every meal and eat every two hours. It's far too strict. It's not realistic. It's not how health is built. And um, a lot of those things will lead to a lot of crashes. So when we talk about consistency with movement, again, here it doesn't mean you go to the gym every day for 90 minutes unless that is what really allows you to thrive. It's part of your community. You start your day with that. Movement every single day can look completely different from one person to the next. A lot of clients will come into the gym and the the first thought they have is the concern of like, oh my gosh, this 
coach is going to tell me to do X, Y, and Z. And that's not how my day goes. Or, oh, they're going to be too hard on me or they're going to be too soft. It's truthfully movement can be catered and should be catered to every single person's walk. If they work nine to five and they have a couple little ones at home, we need to figure out how do we interject that day so that that day with movement so it's not overwhelming it's not a massive time commitment when they're already a parent and they have um, a full-time job so being consistent with your movement practice is more about making sure that every single day has some movement in it and then any activities you do on top of that are in addition and they might be three days a week or four days a week it can mean starting the day with your ground-based movement it can mean taking a break for a walk at lunch or walking part of your commute to work or from work. And we've spoken about this before. One of my clients did really well with just interjecting a walk after dinner with the kids. It's a great way to improve digestion and it's a great way to connect with the family. Everyone gets to talk instead of being in front of the TV. But at the end of the day, if you give meaning to your exercise, which is another point that was brought up by both Cliff and Jenny, if you bring meaning to your exercise, then it's way easier to be consistent with it. So whatever it is that motivates you is where you find meaning. So if there's a sport you want to return to or there's something you want to be able to do with your kids, that's your meaning. So once you've got your meaning and you have your key motivation, And maybe you're a long way away from there, from being able to do that thing, work yourself backwards or hire someone to help you work backwards and find out what little thing every day do I need to start with to rebuild that capacity. In light of that, we also want to tune into our movement. And if your movement has meaning, it's way easier to tune into it. We don't want you to just go in and try to get it over with. That's where injuries ensue. We want you to think before you do things. And if there's meaning to what you're doing, it's so much easier to tune into your body, tune into what you're doing and really enjoy what you're doing rather than just following this program you got online that's four days a week and it beats you up for 60 minutes and you just got to get in there and get it done with. There's no joy in that. (laughs) Dana and I swim every week. We lift. I cycle. He does intervals. There are so many different ways of moving. We make a point of going on walking breaks every single day to let our brains recharge and to discuss ideas. There are so many different ways of moving and every client doesn't come in and get the same program because it doesn't make sense. It's not what motivates them. So find what motivates you. It allows you to tune in because you care about what the process you're doing and allows you to be consistent. And I loved what Cliff said when he came on. And again, it was just think about what you loved doing maybe as you were growing up or when you were in high school or college, what you used to do and what motivates you and what you really genuinely enjoyed from an activity and movement perspective. Because if you can get back to that, it's going to make movement feel like it's part of your life and something you really genuinely enjoy as opposed to thinking, oh, it's exercise. I have to get in and just get done. And it's such a massive myth. People think that as we get older, we're just going to gain weight and our metabolism is going to go down. But man, if we all had recess breaks still and we all got to run around outside, I mean, the reason why everyone seems to gain weight as we get older is we stop moving. We're not running around outside. We're not playing with our friends. 
This is what the difference is from being a kid and growing into an adult. So we're all now sitting in offices and we're not making time to get outside and run around or do the things that we genuinely enjoy from a movement perspective. So really think about that if you're trying to get in shape or lose some weight. Think about what you love doing with your body and work that back into your life because that's going to make you feel fulfilled and it's going to make movement fun. And that kind of takes us into the last thing I think we're going to touch base on here, Freya, and that is if you're doing nothing, do something. So take that next step. It's not like we kind of started this podcast with saying you don't have to overhaul everything, but when Stu came on, he mentioned if you're doing nothing, just do something. And Franz also emphasized that many people, when getting started, worry too much about step 30. So they, they pick a thing they want to return to, and then they get overwhelmed with how many steps might be in the way. And if you don't know where to start, start with the smallest step. Do it consistently. That might mean now you're just having water and you're eliminating coffee in the afternoon. Woo. That might be it. <laughs> but start with one thing. Be consistent with it. When it comes to establishing new things, the reason we started discussing the beginning of the day in this podcast is because that is the easiest way to start something new. Willpower's high. You can read all the habit books you want. They all agree that pairing it with something you already do is another great way to instill a new habit. We all brush our teeth. That's one that Dane and I will regularly tell people to pair a new habit with, whether it's rolling out your feet while you brush your teeth. We've mentioned that before. Or maybe you ensure that you go do a couple of your stretches or movements before you do that. Or as we noted earlier, everyone eventually turns on their phone. Make sure you've done that one thing before you've turned on your phone. The nice thing too is that you do those same things at night. Everyone goes to sleep at some point. So that's another great place. Even the willpower is lower. It's another great place where you can repeat whatever it is that you're trying to do consistently. And, and one of the things I always say to my clients is that willpower is never going to be enough. Willpower is not infinite. If you just think, oh, I'm going to do this at the end of the day, and you're just relying on the willpower, it's not enough. So having a structure and system in place where you're pairing something up with something you already do automatically every day, you're going to be far more consistent with it. And in the morning when you're totally recharged, that is going to make sure that you are consistent, wake up, get the little thing done, and then you'll feel, hey, I did one great thing for myself this morning. It gives you confidence to roll through the day and keep doing better things for yourself. So the morning piece is super duper important. If you're not sure where to start, always start in the morning. Absolutely. If you started in the morning, you might eventually take that midday break. That midday break can give you or restore executive function. We gradually kind of lose that over the course of the day when we make more and more choices throughout the day and taking a break outside or with friends or whoever it is, you can restore some of that executive function, which allows you to make better decisions in the back half of your day. So again, you're not running off of this draining sort of willpower um, of force. You will sometimes need a little bit of a push to get a habit started. So you do need willpower to get it started, but you should never feel like you are forcing yourself through it. Anytime people use 
the terms force. Oh, I have to force myself to do this. I have to force myself to do that. Just look at what it is that you're trying to do. If there's a lot of force behind it, it's probably not one that's resonating very well for your system. And I guarantee there are other ways to tackle that. And it always comes back to that purpose piece, your why. You know, why are you trying to do these things? If you can keep that top of mind, why these things are important for you, why this one tiny little step is going to make a difference in your life, it becomes easier to do every day. It's really easy to get bombarded and to think about all the stressful things we have to get done. If you can keep top of mind what you're trying to accomplish for yourself, it really makes it easier to start doing one little habit like these at a time. And I think we know this can be paralysis by analysis sometimes. There's so much stuff out there. There's so many self-care tools and all these little tips that you can do. Again, I just want to make sure everyone out there listening knows nobody's doing all of these things all the time. Everyone has to start somewhere. So know where you're at. Understand you have lots of time to implement these things. It's one thing at a time. Start in the morning, start early, start with something easy and allow that to domino into your day. And gradually you can build upon the foundation that you're making. It's starting small, knowing yourself and going from there. I know we've spoken about a lot of different examples of things. In summary, we're suggesting start your day with you. Not with a phone, not with technology. Start your day doing something for your brain and your body to tune into you and tune everything else out. Second thing is take a break during the day. No one is too busy to not take a break. Further to that, no one's brains work that way. You can be massively intelligent and accomplished, but you need a break just like everybody else. From there, be consistent with your practice. Make sure that what you're doing is emphasizing real food as much as you can throughout your day. In the evening, just like in the morning, tune out. Don't listen to the news. Don't read it. Spend time on you. If you're doing something, start small and be consistent with it. In the morning and before sleep are the easiest areas in people's days to start tackling something new. And it can be as small as five minutes. Tune out from technology. Tune in to you. <laughs> so I think that that's a nice wrap up. Um, from all the self-care tools that we've talked about this time around. Should you guys have a topic you'd like us to cover, cover, whether that be a full podcast or something you'd like us to talk about in a self-care roundup, please feel free to contact us through our website at movewelldaily.com. And uh, we've got some great guests coming up for you guys over the next few weeks. So please be sure to uh, subscribe, to like, to share. And we thank you so much for tuning in to these podcasts and we look forward to keep pumping them out for you. So until next time, this has been Dane Wallace and Freya Spence on the Move Daily Health Podcast with Self-Co Roundup number two. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.